So as I mentioned earlier, we have been working through uh, a series on spiritual gifts, and we've been tying this to our purpose as a church. Uh, we believe that our purpose as the Alliance Church is to see every person involved in kingdom life. Every person sitting here today, every person who calls this their church home, every person that we come in contact with throughout our week, it is our call, it is our mission to see them involved in kingdom life, to give them opportunity to come into the kingdom, opportunity to go deeper in the kingdom, to see every person involved in kingdom life. The reason that we're tackling spiritual gifts, and we've talked about this each week, is because we cannot be fully involved in kingdom life without understanding and utilizing our gifts. Part of being in the kingdom is the king gives us gifts to use to build up his church and to bring others into the fold. We cannot be fully involved in the kingdom unless we understand and utilize our spiritual gifts. So this is our uh, fourth week now in the spiritual gifts series. And the first couple weeks was kind of an overview and, and some uh, cautionary tale. And then starting last week, we're just kind of walking through the different gifts listed in the scripture. There's as many as 21 uh, spiritual gifts listed in the scripture, depending on how you uh, break some of them down. But here's the thing that I'll say now and I'll probably say throughout. It's not necessarily an exhaustive list. We're going to go through the different gifts that are listed in Scripture, the different ones that are talked about. Some of them are just touched on. Some of them are dealt with in greater detail. But nowhere in Scripture does it say, and these are it. This is the only way that God will use us in His church. There may be some other ones. There may be some combinations and ways that these work together that we don't know. So we're going to deal with the ones that we have. But the whole time, here is the point of spiritual gifts. And we dealt with this in week one. God is calling us to love one another well. And he has gifted us in supernatural ways to do that. So when we're done with this, you may go, I feel like the Lord always calls me to love people in this way. And it seems like there's this supernatural response. Like it just, it gets people deep in their heart when I do it. But I'm not sure exactly which gift it is or where it falls. I don't care. Praise the Lord. Keep using that gift, whatever it's called. These are simply there to kind of help us go, maybe that's what the Lord is calling me to. Hey, that sounds like what I kind of naturally do and people respond to. Maybe I need to lean in a little more. Okay, so don't get super hung up on, is what I have, is it exactly that gift or maybe it's that one? These are simply there to kind of help us as some guidelines. But the, the overall question that we need to be asking, how is the Lord calling me to love people in the kingdom and into the kingdom? Whatever label I want to put on that, Lord, help me do that well. Does that make sense? Okay. So moving down um, through our list, uh, the list that we find in Scripture, the next one we're going to tackle is the spiritual gift of faith. Uh, we find this in a list of gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. Paul says this, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healings by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between Spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another interpretation of tongues. 
All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each just as he determines. Okay, so there's this big long list there. We're going to tackle faith right now, but let's look at the end real quick. Where do the gifts come from? The Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives the gifts. Who determines who has what gifts? The Spirit. This is something that, and Paul says later to seek spiritual gifts, and we're going to talk about that at the very end. But this is something where it's not about picking off a list and going, I want this one, I want this one. They're not like trading cards. It's more going, okay, Lord, you know how you wired me. You know the needs of the body. What gifts are you revealing in me? Okay, that's the heart behind these. And so as we work through these, we're going to be asking four questions, the same ones that we looked at last week. What is this gift? Why is this gift important? How do I know if I have this gift? And the last thing is just we're going to describe real quick kind of what some of these gifts look like without character and without maturity. Because some of the gifts can be dangerous if used wrong. But we're really just trying to come to each one of these and look right now at the gift of faith and just in our hearts going, okay, Lord, does this describe how you work in me? If not, then I'm just going to praise the Lord that it's how you work in others and I'll wait until the one that kind of stirs my heart. But is this a gift that you're moving in me? So that same spirit who, who gives those gifts, who determines who gets what and how they all come together, to some he's given the gift of faith. So what is the gift of faith? One author says it like this. The Holy Spirit distributes this gift to some in the church to encourage and build up the church in her confidence in God. Another writer says it this way. To be firmly persuaded by God's power and promises to accomplish His will and purpose and to display such a confidence in Him and His word that circumstances and obstacles do not shake that conviction. So someone with this gift has an almost inexplainable ability to not be wavered that God is good, God is who he says he is, and God will do what he says he'll do. Whether things are going good, whether things are going bad, someone with this gift is able to stand firm in the middle of it and go, just wait, you'll see. He's coming through. He's going to do what he said he's going to do. Now, this is one of those things, why is this gift, the gift of faith, important to the church? Because faith is something we're all called to have, yes? Faith is something that we're all called to display, we're all called to use. Not just keep in our back pocket this saving faith of I prayed a prayer one day, and so I sit on that, there I have faith. But we're all called to show this confidence that God can be trusted, that God's going to do what he says he's going to do, and we're supposed to live accordingly. We're supposed to live like God is going to come through. Amen. But for those with the gift of faith, this is not a struggle. For those of us who don't have it, we will become stuck. We need those who have the gift of faith to stand up, to help the church move forward, because the church will become stuck without you. The church has become an incredibly risk-averse place. The church has become a place that avoids risk. We've kind of majored on wisdom. We've majored on good investments and wise stewardship, which are good things. Please don't hear me knocking those things. But those are one side of a coin. 
The church has gone, basically, the safest way to do this is to know that if we're going to put money towards something, it's guaranteed to work, or we're not touching it. If we're going to stand up and say something, we better know exactly how it's going to turn out, or else we just shouldn't talk about it. Again, wise stewardship, this, this uh, earthly wisdom aren't bad things. I'm not trying to beat those down. But it's one side of a coin, and without being balanced, even tempered, by faith. Almost this reckless abandon that says, he says go, and we're going to die if we don't move. Let's go. The church will get stuck. We'll become just like any other good organization out there, and it's nice, and people like us, but we will not see the power of God put on display, because we'll end up doing it in our own strength. We'll end up only going as far as we can see and never taking those faith, those trust steps. We need those with the gift of faith to stand up and to call us to more, to call us to take risks. Faith is all about risk. If we live in a world that has no risk, we have no need for faith and our faith will shrivel and die. Faith is about risk. As a Christian Missionary Alliance, as our denomination, one of our core values is this. Achieving God's purposes means taking faith-filled risks. This always involves change. That's, we've picked seven things that we go, hey, if we're going to get everything else wrong, here's the seven we have to get right as, as a movement. And one of those is taking faith-filled risks. If we miss faith... Moving because God said to move, and there's risk involved, but do we trust him? If we miss that, we've missed the boat. The church will get stuck, and we will what-if ourselves to death. We think that this is what God's telling us to do, but what if they don't show up? What if the money doesn't come through? What if nobody likes it? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And eventually we'll get to a point where we go, you know what? Let's just stay where we are. Let's just keep doing the same thing we've always been doing. Because it's all good stuff, right? But we will miss seeing God move. We will miss the blessing that comes from obedience. We will miss the opportunities to advance the kingdom because we're stuck in fear and doubt and what if. We need those with the gift of faith to stand up and to urge us forward. Don't be silent. There will be some smart people that stand up and give you some really good what ifs. But you, don't, you see, the giving trend says that we're here. And so if it doesn't come through, we'll have to close the doors and we'll have to. And you go, oh, well, that is a good point. But there's something inside of you just burning. Don't be silenced if this is your gift. We're going to talk here in a minute about how they, the gifts play well together. Okay? But we need you. Nag us. Don't let us sit still because we're scared of risk. Because of what ifs. We need you to speak up. Romans 11.6 says this. Now without faith it is impossible to please God. For the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and rewards those who seek him. This goes for individuals without each of us displaying faith. Uh, somebody described faith as informed trust. Without putting that trust into action... Each of us will, will not be able to please God. And as a church, we'll get stuck doing our own thing and we will miss the blessing. 
that comes from obedience. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So how do I know if I have the gift of faith? One writer says it like this, those with the gift of faith trust that God is sovereign and he is good. They take him at his word and they put the full weight of their lives in his hands. They expect God to move and are not surprised when he answers a prayer or performs a miracle. Those with faith are all in. There is no halfway. I, I love how this writer says it. They put the full weight of their lives in his hands because he's either good or he isn't. That's the gift of faith. There is no gray. He said, go, let's go. What are we waiting for? Well, this is hard and things are dark and is he still good? Of course he's still good. We're just seeing it wrong. This is the gift of faith. Those who have this gift. Here's the thing. You're surprised when others struggle to have faith. You think of things in terms of he is or he isn't. And when somebody else is like, man, I know he says, but, and I'm really struggling too, there's something in you that goes, what? Like, I've never asked that question before. What if he doesn't come through? Like, what? If you have the gift of faith, you are surprised when other people struggle to have faith. Because it's just a natural outpouring in your life. And we need that. Doubt is all around us in this world. Risk is everywhere. Fear is everywhere. We need those who just naturally have that trust to stand up and to help us look to him in those times. So what does the gift of faith look like without character or without maturity? If you have this gift and you're going, man, I want to be good at using this gift. I want to use this gift to help people move forward. What are some of the dangers? What are some of the things you got to look out for? Because remember we said without the maturity, the, the growing up in Christ, we can still have these gifts, but man, they can hurt us. Even the gift of faith. The gift of faith without character can, if we're not careful, kind of look like this. Because I think something is good, God must think that too. I can almost kind of just lean on this this faith can just become blind confidence. If this is something I'm convinced of, without character, I don't even go and check and go, Lord, is this from you? There's no discernment. It just becomes, I think this is good. God's calling us to go over there. Let's go, because I'm excited. And it can be really dangerous. Part of the, the tempering of this gift, the using it safely, is discernment, is wisdom. It can be ready, fire, aim. I'm excited, let's go. I didn't think a single thing through, but woohoo! And we drive ourselves off of a cliff. We need to have people around us. We need to have the, the, the maturity to say, you know what? There's more than just one gift. There's more than one way this can work out. We've got to move. But now let's bring some of that wisdom in. What are some of the steps that we need to take? Because we're not just trying to get somewhere quick. We're trying to do the job right. We're trying to move well together. This, uh, the gift of faith, and truly, like not just, there's some bad teaching out there and all that stuff that, that goes to this, but I think those with the gift of faith, without character, have helped move forward the, the health, wealth, prosperity gospel. If God is good, then he must only want everything good for us, right? 
So therefore, suffering is never from the Lord. And he wants us all to be rich. And you get a plane. And you get a plane. It's an immature view of what a good God is. Someone with the gift of faith could easily fall into that because it sounds like God fulfills every promise the way I want him to. And so this whole movement gets started. Like I said, there's more to those kinds of movements than just a misuse of faith. But man, if you have that gift, be careful. You could easily be sucked into those kinds of things. This is where we need each other, church. This is where those who have some of these other gifts of of discernment, of wisdom, of knowledge, need to come alongside those that have faith. And together, you make an incredibly powerful team. Alone, one of you is running off into the woods by yourself and the other is stuck in the mud. This is why we need each other. So God gives the gift of faith through his Holy Spirit. Another gift we're going to look at uh, here today is the gift of giving. Found in Romans 12, 6-8. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it in in accordance to the standards of one's faith. If service, in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, in exhortation, giving with generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness. I love Paul because Paul doesn't waste words. Look, let's be clear, church. If your gift is giving, then give generously. Just done. The end. No nuance. No, like, let's take some time. And just, like, if that's your gift, use it. The end. Way to go, Paul. Paul gets me. There is more to it than that. We have to understand what the gifts are. So what is the gift of giving? One writer says it like this. The Holy Spirit imparts this gift to summon the church to meet the various needs of the church and its ministries, missionaries, or of people who don't have the means to provide fully for themselves. The goal is to encourage and provide, giving all credit to God's love and provision. Now here's what I'm going to tell you. I agree with every word up there. But, if you only go by that definition, what is the gift of giving all about? Money. And I think that this is a misunderstanding of the gift of giving. It will include financial generosity. There's no separating those two. But the only facet to the gift of giving is not finances. It's one that we focus on a lot because America... But there is more to the gift of giving than just financial generosity. We'll deal with some of this here in a minute. Why is the gift of giving important? Like it says there uh, in that definition, to provide and care is a huge thing. Someone with the gift of giving sees a need and there's this generosity engine in them that starts churning. How do we help meet this need? I, I, I can give some, I can, I can give of my time, I can give of my energy, I can give of my influence. We're going to do a series on generosity sometime in this next year, and we're going to look, there's kind of seven facets to each of us called to be generous, and finances is just one of those. But this person, they see the need, and they have to meet it. God has called them to use their gift to help provide for those that can't provide for themselves. To care for those who maybe can't care for themselves. To fund God's calling in some people's lives. I'm just going to be super real with you. There's a lot of places in this world where ministry doesn't make money, it costs money. Yeah? Okay, not super surprising. And God has called his church 
to fund those ministries. And the way that that needs to happen is those with the gift of giving leading the way. Not doing it all by themselves, but leading the way. We need those with the gift of giving to lead others into greater generosity. We need to hear the stories of God has called me to do this. I did it, and here's the blessing that came from it. And I got to see this person have something that they didn't think they'd be able to have. This, this struggling mother was able to not have to worry about her finances this week or this month. And the blessing that comes from that. We as a church need to hear those stories. We need to be invited into those stories because otherwise we'll move towards self-focus. We'll move towards my needs. We'll move towards my wants. Oftentimes before we'll move towards coming alongside others in this generous giving mentality. We need you with the gift of giving to lead the rest of us well into lives of generosity. I'll go into it now. We, we need you to not do it alone. So many times, those that have the gift of giving hear a need, and there's this excitement that, like, man, how am I going to get to meet this need? And you guys will be super creative with it because you take Jesus' command seriously. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And there will just be unsigned envelopes of cash in someone's mailbox and the blessing that comes from that. But you will do it alone, and the rest of us will stay stuck where we are. What we need is those with the gift of giving to lead us. When you see a need, pick up the phone. Hey, there's this need, and maybe I can't give all the details. Maybe it's a sensitive situation, or use discernment in that. But there's a need that I'm aware of. Do you want to get in on it with me? No pressure. I'm not, like, this isn't a big ask where if you don't, you should feel guilty. This need will get met. I will take care of it, but I want to bring others with me. You would be amazed the amount of time that people will go, thank you for asking me. I would love to get in on something like that. Maybe even I've been praying about ways to be more generous. I just couldn't see them. Thank you. Thank you for calling me and letting me know about this opportunity. And we as a church grow. We as a church become generous. Not just one person out there killing it. Because who can do more, you or we? We. We. We are all called to be generous. We're all called to give. Give sacrificially, which is a difficult one for us. Those with the gift of giving, this comes naturally too. And we need you to show us how. So how do I know if I have the gift of giving? Again, one author says it like this. Those with this gift love to share with others the overflow of blessing God has given them. They are typically very hospitable and will seek out ways and opportunities to help others. They are, and I added, typically excellent stewards and will often adjust their lifestyles in order to give more to spread the gospel in the care of the needy. They are grateful when someone shares a need with them, and they are always joyful when they can meet that need. Someone with this gift of giving just has a blessing mentality. Everything they have, there's this, how can I use this to bless someone else? These are people that, that hold typically things and they hold it very open-handed. They see it as a blessing God has given me and they're always on the lookout for how do I bless someone else? 
And even to the point, and I've known people like this who say, how can I adjust my lifestyle so that I can give even more? They've tasted the blessing that comes from being generous, and they're hooked on it. And they're creative about it. And they're passionate about it. And there's this joy that comes. Most people with the gift of giving hope no one ever knows that they gave. But they'll be kind of hiding in the bushes, waiting to see somebody open that envelope, and there's this joy that comes with it. It is a, it is a beautiful gift. And we as a church need it. If this is you, use the God-given creativity that he's used to, to be a behind-the-scenes blesser. Use that creativity to bring some of us with you. We need you. I will get stuck being miserly and selfish, wanting new and shiny, if I don't have someone every now and again text me, call me, hey, here's an opportunity, and I go, right. How can I be a part of that? I need you. We need you. So what does this, this gift look like without character, without maturity? First of all, it would look like what I've described. It'll look like a lone ranger. It's about you doing your thing. And you almost hoard that blessing. I, I got to meet every need myself. You're going to burn yourself out, first of all. But you're also going to rob the rest of us. It's not a lone ranger thing. Lead us well. We need you. It can become a look-at-me kind of thing. Very rarely will someone with this gift be able to stand up and go, hey, I did that. It just kind of goes against us. But there will be some ways where you're kind of nudging some people and hoping some people know a gift is given. And I mean, who would have been that generous? <laughs> Can't imagine. You, you want people to know. You want people to look at you. I'm such a generous person. It's pride. At its worst, the gift of giving can become a way of controlling others. Gifts with strings attached are not gifts. There are some generous people. They, you can't turn it off. It's something the Holy Spirit is doing in you. You can't turn it off, but you can use it wrong. And when you attach strings to a gift, it's no longer a gift, it's manipulation. Don't use your gift to manipulate people. Give open-handedly. God has blessed me, and I have the opportunity to bless someone else. Give open-handedly. Do not tie strings to the gifts that you give. The last gift that we're going to look at here this morning is the gift of exhortation. Big word. Another way of saying it, encouragement. A lot of times you'll just hear the gift of encouragement. It's hand in hand. Same thing. The gift of exhortation we find in that same passage in Romans 12. According to the grace given to us. I'm going to keep reading. There's like three passages where the lists are given. And I'm just going to keep reading them. Hopefully they stick. I'm kind of tired of hearing them. I hope you are too. That means we're probably starting to get somewhere. Romans 12, 6 to 8. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it in accordance to the standard of one's faith. If service, in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, in exhortation. Giving with generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness. Again, Paul, just straight to the point. Look, if you have the gift of encouragement, of exhortation, do it. Use it to encourage. Use it to exhort. So what is the gift of exhortation? 
The Spirit of God gives the gifts to people in the church to strengthen and encourage those who are wavering in their faith. Those with the gift of exhortation can uplift and motivate others, as well as challenge and rebuke them in order to foster spiritual growth and action. The goal of the encounter is to see everyone in the church continually building up the body of Christ and glorifying God. Another one says it, to come alongside of someone with words of encouragement, comfort, consolation, and counsel to help them be all God wants them to be. See how all of these uh, different descriptions, they don't just say, yeah, you know, to encourage, to say some nice words to someone. There, it's kind of this multifaceted thing. Sometimes it can look like coming along and with a quiet voice saying, hey, like, don't forget, this is who you are. You can do this. Sometimes it looks like coming along and saying, brother, what are you doing? This is killing you. This is pulling you away from him. Lay it down. It, it, they use terms like challenge and rebuke as, long, or as well as uplift and motivate. Encourage, comfort, consolate, counsel. The word exhortation in the Greek means to advocate. To be on someone's side. And it's actually two words put together that means to urge forward. I can't let you stay where you are, and I can't let you move back. We've got to move forward. Don't dumb this gift down to be somebody that's just good at making me feel better about myself. Sometimes it is that. I'm discouraged, and they bring encouragement. Sometimes it's that word rebuke, which we don't use very often. kind of has like a slap on the hand feel but a brother or a sister coming alongside and going, I see this, and this is dangerous. Do not fool around with this. The goal of this gift is to encourage everyone in the church to be continually building up the body of Christ and glorifying God. Anything less won't do. I have to come alongside them because I see them starting to step back. I see them stuck where they are. I see them getting distracted by sin. And I have to come alongside them and pull them back into the fold. So why is the gift of exhortation important? Let's be super honest about this. This one you don't preach too often because it doesn't sound great. But life is hard. And let's be honest, following Jesus makes it harder. I can no longer just do what I want to do. Now I have to choose discipline. Now I have to choose to live for you instead of for me. Life is already hard, and following Jesus, as much as some people want to tell you, doesn't make things easier. It makes things better. It makes things more worth it, but it costs, and it's hard. And we need brothers and sisters with the gift of exhortation to come alongside us and go, it's worth it. Don't forget who you are, and don't forget who he is. This is sin, and it's keeping you from him you got to lay it down. The, we need brothers and sisters to come and encourage us in the down times, to rejoice with us on the, uh, on the up times, to tap us on the shoulder when we're getting distracted and go, don't forget, we're on mission. In the scriptures, 
there's a couple different examples we can go to of people that have this gift. One uh, that I look at is Titus. Uh, somebody, he was a pastor of churches that Paul kind of sent out. And we have the book of Titus, which is a letter that Paul wrote to him. And Paul refers to his gift of encouragement. And he says this in Titus 2. For the grace of God has appeared with salvation for all people, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lusts and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age while we wait for the blessed hope and appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse us for himself, a people for his own possession, eager to do good works. Say these things and encourage and rebuke, and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Paul knew Titus and he goes, he's going, Titus, don't forget the message on your heart is to call people to holiness, to encourage them. Hey, don't forget the day is coming when Jesus makes all of this worth it. Don't forget who you are in him. You are his possession, bought and paid for. Don't forget how much he loves you. Don't get distracted. Remember, Titus, this is the message on your heart, and don't stop preaching it. Say these things and encourage and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. This is the gift of exhortation. It's not, again, just kind of nice words or a nice little card that you get. It's at times the call to holiness. It's at times the reminder of who we are in Him or who He is for us. We need these people to step up and to remind us because life is hard. Following Jesus is hard. We need people constantly going, don't get stuck looking at everything going on around you. Keep your eyes on the prize. Look to him. He's good. He's faithful. He's promised it. Don't forget. He's given you new life, new identity. Don't forget. Find strength in who he is and what he's called you to. So how do I know if I have the gift of exhortation? I have a deep desire to bring strength where I see weakness. I see someone stumbling. I see someone believing a lie. I see someone just struggling, maybe even with hopelessness and just why bother? And something in, in me can't sit with that. I have to go put an arm around. I see someone walking away from the fold and I have to go after them. Don't give up. Don't walk away. It's not worth it. I can't sit still and watch others struggle. I can't sit still and watch others lose hope. Watch others buy into a false sense of identity. There's something in me I have to go to them and try to point them back again. I must speak up when I see someone disheartened or misled. You're believing a lie. Don't fall for it. Again, let's go back to the truth of who he says you are, the truth of how he says you need to live. Someone with exhortation can't sit by and watch someone be misled that way. The, the gift of exhortation is an amazing partner gift. It goes so well with gifts like mercy, with gifts like teaching, leadership, uh, shepherding, all of these, some of them we've looked at, some of them we haven't looked at yet. And you can kind of see, again, this is one of those ones where if you have this gift, you're going, I don't always know exactly what to call it because it looks different in different situations. God often partners this gift with other gifts because they play so well together. 
But is God calling you to encourage the body back toward him? To come alongside individuals that you just can't get off your heart? Because, man, they're, just, they're buying into the lies. This is killing them. Or my heart is so broken because I look at their situation, I have to write them a card, I have to give them a call, I have to just show up and give them the gift of just presence. And there's this supernatural encouragement that comes when you do. Just you being there. Just you saying simple words. You reading a passage of scripture that they've read a hundred times. But there's something about when you do it in their lives. The Holy Spirit comes to life. And they're encouraged. They're turned back. Not to say you can make the choice for them. Or if you just say the words, everything's fine. But there's a supernatural moving in someone's heart and in someone's life when you use this gift, and we need you to use it. So what does exhortation look like without character, without maturity? You will be a bad listener. If you have the gift of exhortation, and you're, maybe you're just young and new at it, or there's pride involved, or whatever it is, you will be a bad listener, because it's all about you using your gift. I already know what the problem is. Stop talking, and I'll tell you how to fix it. How many of you ever had a conversation with someone like that? How many of you ever had a conversation with me and I've done that to you? Thank you, Shelton. (laughs) Those with this gift, like if we're not careful, we can be bad listeners because I've already got you figured out. I already heard from the Lord. I know what what you need. If you would just shut up, I'd tell you. No, that doesn't go well. (laughs) No one responds well to that. But without character, without maturity, it's about they need to hear what I have to say. Not truly, I want to meet them where they are and encourage them back into the fold. We can kind of cut the gift off. We can step out in front of it with this, it's about me. Because every time I do this, it makes a difference. And this pride starts to creep up. And now all of a sudden, it's not about you and your problem. It's not about bringing you into the fold or reminding you of your identity. It's about me feeling good about using my gift. And people almost can become another notch in the belt. And that's a really dangerous thing. It takes humility. It takes true compassion. It takes the ability to listen. Potentially even more so than to speak. So we're going to end our service today. We've looked at three gifts. Faith, giving, and exhortation. In the way that we ended last week and in the way that we'll continue to end. I'm going to ask the elders to come up here in a few minutes. um, And... These gentlemen will be over here on the side. uh, And they'll be here to pray for you. If this is a gift that, that you, as I've been talking about it, something in your heart is stirring. Maybe you've been aware of it. Maybe you're hearing it just kind of going, hey, maybe that's something God is doing. These gentlemen are here and they want to pray for you. There is something about, we're going to, in scripture, in 1 Timothy 4, 14, if you put it up there, Chris. Paul talking to Timothy, and he says, Don't neglect the gift that is in you. It was given to you through prophecy with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. He's telling Timothy, remember that time you weren't sure what your gifts were. You were getting ready to go do ministry, and you were trying to figure things out. And the elders prayed over you, laid hands and prayed over you, and God revealed his gifts to you. We want to do the same thing here. And so the elders are going to come up here. And if something in your heart has gone... I think there's something there. We're going to ask you to be bold and to come up and to be prayed over. It's not going to be super long stuff. You're not going to have to tell your whole life story. 
these men are going to ask you two questions. Is there any area of your life that you're aware of that the Holy Spirit doesn't have access to? We talked all the way back in week one. We have to be willing to give him access. And as he fills us, he releases his gifts in us. Are there any areas of your life where you're holding the Holy Spirit at bay? Because if so, let's not waste our time praying for gifts. Let's repent and move forward. And the second question will be this. Is this a gift that you have or that you're seeking? I know that this is the gift God's given me, and I just want to be able to use it better. And the elders will pray for power. They'll pray for wisdom and discernment that you would know how to use these gifts, and we'll see what God does. Or is this a gift that I'm seeking? I think this is something that, that God has given me. I'm trying to figure it out. Would you help me discern? And they'll pray, Lord, release your gifts. If this is a gift that you have for my brother or sister, make it clear. Show them how to use it. If not, begin to show them what is. And then these men will just lay hands on you and pray for you. Now, I've already talked to some people from last week who said, I know I should have gone up, but... I didn't. And, and I told you last week, I said, specifically the ones we were dealing with, mercy um, and service, I said, this is going to be really difficult for you. Be bold. And some of you went, I know I should have. You can still come up. We'll play catch up. Come up and say, look, I, I was supposed to come up last week, and I didn't. And they're not going to slap you on the hand. They're going to go, yeah, I know. <laughs> and then they're going to pray for you. So we'll just keep catching up each week. If you're going, man, okay, it's been three weeks that I've been fighting it now, but I'm finally here. They'll pray for you and release gifts. So last week was service and mercy. This week, faith, giving, and exhortation. If these are gifts that you think the Lord may be putting in your heart, maybe calling you to use on behalf of his church, come and be prayed for. Not just for yourself. I'm asking you to come and be prayed for. I want to see all of you living to the fullest extent being who God has called you to be. I want to see that for you, but also I need you to do it because I need led in those areas where I'm not gifted, but I'm still called to be faithful. I'm still called to serve. I'm still called to be generous. And I need someone to lead me, someone God has gifted to lead me. We need you to come up and be prayed over that we can see your gifts used fully in our church. It's the only way we're going to grow to become truly the church that God has called us to be. If you weren't thinking about coming up, does that make you feel guilty enough? I'm down. It's cool. No. I mean convicted by the Holy Spirit enough. That's how we talk in the church. I truly don't want this to be a guilt thing. I, I really don't. I was joking. I want to see you become all of who God has called you to be, and I need you to do it. We need you to do it.